Mariette, that was a fantastic teaching. The giggle. God bless you, sis. And hey, we have an amazing panel of girls that have discovered to live in joy through different seasons of their life. Mm, thanks, Becky, for hosting us. But you yourself have a story to tell, one where you had to make a decision in life to really choose joy over your challenges. Don't you want to tell us about that time that you were pregnant with your son? It's a joy to share my story. It was the 9th of August, 2006. After speaking in a women's conference, I sat down and when I got up while everybody else was packing up because the conference was done, I collapsed. Thankfully, my husband was among the people that were packing up, so he rushed me to the hospital. At the trauma unit, after the doctor examined me, she informed my husband and I that I had suffered a stroke. That's why my right side was paralyzed and my speech was impaired. That must have been a very big shock for your husband and hmm. to suddenly change roles. I mean, you couldn't do anything for yourself and husband had to take over. It must have placed a tremendous lot of stress on your family. Oh, dear Mariette, to cut the long story short, I had to learn how to walk. I had to undergo physio. I even had difficulty to make myself a cup of coffee that I love dearly. Even when I was pregnant, of course, I was taking decaf coffee, but it was Can't difficult. Can't go without that coffee. <laughs> you can say that again. <laughs> Through it all, from the hospital and when I was home, my anchor scripture that I kept bringing to memory and saying over myself was Psalms 118 verse 17 that states, I will not die. I will live and I will declare the works of my God. Hmm. My Amen. husband and I, we decided we were not going to allow the stroke to steal my joy. And that's why every day, whether I'm with a person one-on-one -on -one, or with a group of people, I continue to give more and more of myself. My son Jethro was born at full time, nine months. Wow. And every day I see him, I just know that I have this fabulous opportunity to continue giving more and more of myself mm. in joy. Mm. Such a powerful testimony. Yeah. You're such a live wire. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Amen. And today we are going to be talking about adversity. Adversity, one of the definitions is that it is always unexpected and unwelcome. It is an intruder and a thief. But in the hands of God, it becomes the means through which his supernatural power is demonstrated. That's what Charles F. Stanley says. And as I shared my story there, that's why I don't take it for granted. Every 9th of August, to me, it is a testimony. Even for you to be hearing me and to be in the echo of my voice, I give glory to God because that day was not like today. That day I finished preaching like I'm preaching today and I was seven months pregnant and I collapsed. I did not ask for that to happen to me. I did not ask to suffer a stroke. I did not ask to be paralyzed on my right side, but adversity visited me on that day. And today I stand to say indeed in the hands of God, that adversity, it became the means by which his supernatural power 
came through me and I have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Ladies, those who have been pregnant before, you know how it is at seven months you are counting down. You are counting down not even the weeks, the days. Like I'm almost there. And then this happens to you. And you can't speak. And you can't talk. Those who know me, I love my heels, my stilettos. I couldn't wear my stilettos. I just went flat now. It's good to have flat shoes, no problem. But I love them when I'm so relaxed. But that time I had no choice. I had to go that route. But like I mentioned in that recording, I had a word that I stood on. I will live. I will not die. And I will proclaim the works of the Lord. Arrival of calamity or adversity. Come on. It doesn't announce that I'm arriving today at 1102. Or I'm visiting you at midnight today. Or I'm visiting you on your way to your business. It doesn't announce. It catches us unaware. And that's why last week as Pastor Nathaniel was preaching on trials and tribulation. We were just going through life. It happens to all of us. If you have not faced any adversity, praise the Lord. But your day, I can tell you, brother, sister, it shall come. And I don't know what shape it will be in. I don't know what size it will be, but it shall visit you lovely and fabulously. Without a knock. Get ready. But if you have been there, you know what I'm talking about today. And maybe somebody this morning, you are going through adversity. But may I just remind you that as we go through the word of the Lord, you are not the first and you are not the last. Amen. Amen. Sometimes in life when things happen to us, we like to use the word, it's not fair. It's not fair. Who says life should be fair? <laughs> I'm bursting a bubble today. Let's go into Job chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. In the New Living Translation. And Pastor Nathaniel also touched a bit on Job. And that's why I was like, please don't go too deep. Please don't. So that you can leave me something to say today. Verse 7. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan asked Answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes. But Job has good reason to fear God. You have always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Today's sermon, I will ask you in your own time to go read the whole of Job. 
whether it's today or it's throughout the week, because I am going to be picking certain chapters as we go on through today's teaching. Job was a man that feared God. He did not sing for the devil to come and start testing him. He was a man that feared God. But here we see now the devil being told, yes, you can reach out. Take everything, but don't harm him physically. Sometimes, yes, things will happen to us because of our own doing. Yes, consequences happen because of certain things that decisions that we make, but sometimes it's not our doing. And that's what we are going to be looking at today. It's not your doing, but he still is planning against your life. There's a joke that my husband and I, we have in our house, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we say, here we are, praise the Lord, we've got a brand new day, but we know that the devil is planning something on our lives, even without us doing anything. Why is it so? We are not ignorant that in this earth, there is somebody who is powers of darkness. And he doesn't like to see that which we have in us. That is a relationship with God. So I don't need to do anything to incur his wrath. He is just planning to destroy me. And here is Job going about his life. And the devil is busy trying to do things around him. A couple of years ago, my husband and I, we went to Zambia with Jethro. Then he was a baby. And we arrived there on, uh, I think it was just a day before New Year. And there was a concert going on at a church. So we visited the church and we had a great time. Finished just before midnight. And we went to drop off a friend of mine that was with us, where she was staying. And close by, there was a police station in that area. We didn't know that there had been political disturbances in that area, so they had put a curfew. As we dropped off my friend, she was in the back of the car holding Jethro. So I got out of the car to say, let me go sit in the back now so that I can have Jethro in my arms. As I am opening the door, a guy comes behind me wearing a long coat, all closed up so we can't see what else he's wearing, but just a long coat. And he starts pulling me away from the car into some dodgy place that is looking dark on the side. So my husband sees in the mirror that there's a guy that is pulling me away from the car. And of course, as a caring husband, he comes out to rescue me and to check what is going on. And this guy is even smelling so much alcohol on him. So obviously he is drunk and he is not talking properly. We don't know what he is saying. As that is happening, my husband comes to rescue me from his hands. Then a group of policemen come and they land on my husband and they arrest him. Just like that. And we are trying to understand what is going on. Then they say, no, you, you, you were beating up a policeman. Only to know that this guy was a police guy inside this court. Yes, he was in a police uniform, but he was not on duty. Where he was taking me in the, in the dark, I don't know. To do what, I don't know. But my husband acted for the love of his wife. But this other group of police, they come and get him and they throw him in the cells. And this is now about midnight. And they say, you were beating up a police guy. So my husband is explaining, this is what happened. And I'm also explaining, no, my husband was just coming to rescue me. And no, they put him in a cell. 
And that cell, he has explained this before to the church, you know, when he, he has been preaching one of the times. It was smelling. It had all kinds of criminals, all kinds of, in that cell. And they said he was not coming out. Here is me. We are coming from a concert where we have been worshiping God. And my man gets arrested. For what? For loving his wife and rescuing his wife. And they say he's not coming out. And we try, we try. His friend comes also to explain. They said, no, he's staying. We went home around 0304. Then in the morning, around uh, 9 or 10, a group of independent police guys came through to ask him through those burglar bars, who is this, this, they call the name, and he comes. And then they start asking, what happened, sir? And he explains. So the news now starts to spread that this man has been arrested unfairly. And somehow, security police start coming because they know this is going to throw them into Telma. And as that is happening, meanwhile, what is going on in my head and in little Jethro's head? Daddy has been arrested. My man has been arrested. What did he do? Adversity comes unannounced. No wrong done. Nothing done. But it comes and it knocks sweetly on your door without even saying who it is. Another group came, I think an hour later, to ask him the same question. Apparently, only later we knew they wanted to see if his story was still the same, even to another group, just to go and make the investigation to see, yes, this man was not in the wrong. And by midday, he was disturbed. They got him out. But when he got out, here is something. The trauma that he went through, months later, it started getting him into panic attacks. Things would happen when he would be here in South Africa. And we realized he was having panic attacks because of the experience in the cells. We had to take time to go see a psychologist. And we went for six sessions as a couple to just go through what he had done. What had happened to him, the adversity he had encountered. And today when we speak to you, when you come to us and we see there's trauma and we say, go see a psychologist, it's not that we don't believe in God. It's not that. It's just that apart from prayer, you also need to know that speaking to a psychologist is also your way out. Amen. Amen. We experience the power of the gift of a psychologist speaking to us for six sessions. But that was through adversity. We didn't do any wrong. Looking at Job's life there, what did he do? Nothing. He was just having a good time. A man of God, loved by God. But after the devil did that to him, in chapter 1, verse 21 to 22, the living translation says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord, he says. In verse 22, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. We waste time trying to say, why me? Why not you? Why somebody else? 
Are we able to praise the Lord right in the midst of our adversity? When we were having worship time here, Bongani did say it. Lord, even when we are in hard times, we still choose to worship you. We still choose to praise your name. Amen. Somebody said adversity is like the wind. It brings out your true colors. When you are going through adversity, what colors come out of you? What color comes out of you? What's your thought like? What is your action like? When you lose that business, when you lose that work, when you lose that house, when you lose a loved one, you didn't ask for it, but it still happens because such is life. Amen. Such is life. What colors come out of you in that moment? There is a song that is written. One of the lyrics says, Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. But blessed be your name when I find myself in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing that you pour out, I will turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen, church. When the darkness closes in, I will still turn back that praise to the Lord. And I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's go to opinions. There is times that when you are going through adversity, people will speak into your life and into my life. What opinions are coming through when that is happening? <laughs> what are your friends saying? What is family saying? What is your spouse saying? Because in chapter 2 of Job, that is happening to him. His friends come through to him. His wife even says, why don't you just kiss God and die? Because the suffering is too much. You thought in chapter one he had it enough. But in chapter two, you know what? He loses his everything that he lost now. Even his health now goes in chapter two. Because this is what happens in chapter two. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked he is always busy, this one. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that is going on, eh? Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity. Even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Can you hear the devil? You urged me to harm him without cause from chapter 1. Now this is chapter 2. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin. A man will give up everything he has to save his life, but reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible balls from head to foot. In eight, Job scrubbed his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. I can just see how his body looked. 
I'm just imagining it. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Don't we hear those voices sometimes when we are in adversity? Are you still going to stand for your God? Are you still going to maintain that God will come through for you? Are you still going to maintain to be a responsible human being? Are you still going to maintain that you are a believer? Are you still going to maintain that you are truthful? And this is somebody who is even close, the wife. Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? As I'm saying the wife, I'm sure she was not part of prudent wives. Just to mention prudent wives, we don't do such. Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar in our lives? Ah, when it's happening, oh, I love the Lord. I worship you. You are Jehovah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's happening. It's going down. Because a one million just landed in my account. He's such a good God. I love him. He is Jehovah Jireh. Because the one million is there. Ting, ting, in contact notification came on your phone. He is a good God. It's easy to worship him like that. Amen? Amen? But when your body is covered from head to foot, are you still going to say, hey, you are God. I love you with everything within me. Oh, rough. Hey. So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. In verse 13, the friends, when they came to visit him, they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. When you can look at your friend and know that you do not have any words to say because of what they're going through, you just shut up. And you just keep quiet because you don't know what else to do. End of the year last year, I had a phone call with a friend that stays in another part of Africa, checking up on them, seeing how they are doing. And they told me the things that had been happening to them over the past weeks before we spoke. It was hectic. Just hearing that voice and the story, it was like I'm watching a movie, but it was somebody's life. And this person loves the Lord with the family. They are even an artist. They, they are a beautiful minister of the gospel. When they minister right there, you just raise your hands and you worship him. But the things that this friend was going through, it was hectic. It came to a point that this friend told me, that they had to sell their pairs of shoes to get money for the family. Then you know it's rough there. If you have to sell your pair of shoes in order to put bread on your table, ah, you know, yo, 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 this one has gone too deep. But this is a believer. This is a believer. And I just thought of that friend when I read here. That when these friends of Job saw that his suffering was too great for words, seven days and nights they couldn't say anything. And now you must listen to the progression. In, from chapter 3 now, up until 17, Job starts to complain to God. 
And at times we also get in that space. And I'm just going to pick on some of the verses. In chapter 10, verse 1, here is Job now saying, I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. In chapter 17, verse 1, my spirit is crushed. Verse 7, my eyes are swollen with weeping and I am but a shadow of my former self. Verse 10, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. You could be in that space this morning where you are in there saying those kind of words and complaining and saying my hopes are dashed. Where am I going to go? I don't have any desires. And chapter 29, Job speaks of his former blessings. Does this ring a bell in your own life where you start looking back and you start saying things like this? I long for the years gone by when God took care of me. The Almighty was still with me. Who tells you that he is not with you when you are going through adversity? Amen? Who tells you that he has left you and he is not with you when that is happening? Do you think that God looks the other way when you are going through adversity? Until you come over to the other side, then he comes back. Oh, come here, my son and my daughter. We know the story of the man walking by the beach where he sees in his dream where the path was very rough. There was only one set of footprints. But where it was nandy, there were two sets of feet. And he asks the Lord, why is it where it, when it is so good, there's two sets, your set and mine. But where it is rough, there's only one set. God says, that's the time that I carried you, my child. Amen. 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 So just because you are in an adversity, it doesn't mean Almighty is not with you. God has not stopped taking care of you. Remember the talk between God and Satan in chapter 1 and chapter 2? Job was not even there. But God said what to Satan? He says, do not touch his life. You can take his possessions. You can take his health. But do not touch his life. Why would God say that? Think about it for a second. Why would God say, you can take this away. You can take that away. But do not touch his life. You know what? Because possessions, God can restore. God can restore your car. God can restore your business. God can restore your health. But once you die without God, you are so dead. That day we say six feet from dust to dust. We can't take you back from dust. You are dead. D-E-A-D, dead. But as long as you are not dead, he can restore. As long as you are breathing, he can restore. That mansion, the six-bedroom house, he can restore. That G-Wagon, he can restore. That business that was bringing you one billion, he can restore. That stroke that paralyzed you, he can restore. That cancer that the doctor has said, this one, you have six months, he can restore. That relationship that is broken, he can restore. As long as your life is not touched, he is a God of restoration. He is a God of restoration. Because the God of restoration is not just in the times of Abraham. He is the God of yesterday, the God of today, and the God of tomorrow. He 
says it, that I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I will never leave nor forsake you. Mm. I love this God. After Job has complained, done all the maringaring there, spoken all the words that he knows he can speak, in all the languages that he can speak, then God Almighty, he comes on the scene in chapter 38, and he challenges him. You read the whole of chapter 38, I'll just get some parts from there. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Here's what the Lord says, who is this that questions my wisdom? With such ignorant words. Then he says in verse 3, I love this. God tells Job, brace yourself like a man. Because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. No mute, you answer. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Come on, somebody. Yes, you can clap for your God because he is your God. You have complaints. You have complained and he has, he has been listening to you complaining. I have complained and he has listened to me. Now he has told me, brace yourself, Becky. Brace yourself. And you must answer. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying land? What supports its foundation? And who laid its cornerstone? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of outer gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? And where does darkness go? Can you take each to your house? Can you? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created. And you are so very experienced. And the Lord goes on in that chapter. I was shivering when I was reading chapter 38. I was like, hey, I would act exactly what Job did. Because in chapter 42, Job responds to the Lord. And he says, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew zip about. Nothing, nada. Things far too wonderful for me. And you said, listen and I will speak. I had only heard about you before in verse 5. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. This morning, if you have been in a situation where you have questioned God, where you have blamed him, where you have forgotten the goodness of God in your life, may you reach a moment where you can say, Lord, I take back my words. I take back my words, every one of them. Those thoughts, I take them back. Because who am I to question you? I have only heard about you, but now I experience you. Family, before the stroke, I knew that God heals. I knew. I, could, I, I read about him. I would even preach about him. But until the moment that I saw him work in my life, then I'm like, hey, 
I have met you, God. Because I had to experience him for myself. And that's why the very testimony that I have and has been recorded and I keep sharing to different audiences has taken me in spaces that only God could have taken me in. I never ever imagined that my story would be told in those spaces. But the moment that I was there with the oxygen on me, when I couldn't speak, when I couldn't use this hand that I'm using, when I couldn't do things that I could do for myself, it was real. Because up to now, I have kept that MRI scan that they did. It's almost 17 years later now. This Wednesday will be 17 years later. I have kept that. And every time I look at it, I know there was a bleeding there in my brain. And the doctor said it just missed a, missed a nerve just like that. I was going to be gone. And you were not going to know me. But God, in his goodness, he said, you can take her health, but do not touch her life. You can take her voice because my voice was gone. The very voice that is a gift that I, I, I was telling God, like, God, this very voice that you have given me, this is now in my brain where people can't, because I could not speak properly, they couldn't hear me. I was like, this very voice that you gave me, it's a voice that has been touched. I can't speak properly. Yes, you can take my voice, but God restored. Amen. Amen. And verse 10 of chapter 42, the Lord restored his fortunes. And he gave him twice as much as before. <laughs> Verse 11, as the worship team just comes to help me with the ministry point. Verse 11, his brothers, his sisters, the former friends came and feasted with him in his home. They consoled him and each of them brought him a gift of money and a God ring. The wealth starts to get restored. And in and, uh, verse 12, so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. As if this was enough. Not at all. Verse 13, he also gave Job. Remember he lost all his children? He gave him now seven more sons and three more daughters. And guess the name of the first daughter. It's our daughter, Jemima. And the Bible says there were no women as beautiful as the daughters of Job. No wonder our precious, she's such a cute little girl. Amen. Wow. Adversity is not because we have sinned, but such is life. There's a quote that says this, adversity causes some men to break, others to break records. Are you the one that's going to break or are you the one that's going to break records? You don't know what will come out of that adversity that you are going through. But I pray that you would choose to break records, not break. Because when that is happening to you, it's, you're not the first. You've not done anything wrong. It is just life. You are a man and a woman of God. You are anointed and full of the Holy Ghost. But adversity will visit you in one way or another. 
There's a beautiful hymn that we sing all over the world. It is well with my soul. That song did not come from a time of it is happening. We are having a great time. The person that wrote that song, Mr. Sparford, he was an established lawyer in Chicago in the USA. He was having a beautiful life, a man of God. He loved God. He was blessed. He was flourishing and it was going so well with him and his family. But there were Chicago fires at a certain season of their life and he lost a number of his fortune. Because of what the family went through, he decided to send his daughter, uh, his, his daughters and his wife on a trip to Europe. And they had also lost a son by then. So he says, my daughters, my wife, I will find you in Europe so that they can have a holiday. Let me just finish what I'm doing. While they were on the ocean, there was an accident. The wife could only send a telegram. There was no WhatsApp. There was no email. So the telegram came with only two words. Survived alone. That man of God got on the ship to follow his wife to go comfort and be with her. As they were passing in the ocean, the captain of the ship where he was... At the spot where the sheep that had an accident with his daughters in, when they reached that spot, the captain says, this is where the accident happened. And guess what? That's where he penned down those words we sing. It is well with my soul. Right on that spot, the first verse says this, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my Lord, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Oh God. Oh Father God, this morning, we worship you, Lord. We choose to worship you. Whatever, my Lord, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. I know, God, that you are making a way. <laughs> In the desert, where there is no water flowing, you are making a way. No matter what the olds are, my God, you have made